morning, everyone. Uh, good to be back here again today. I will say if you're a visitor, you picked the wrong Sunday because I'm not Pastor Ben. So, uh, <laughs> But you guys come back next week. Yeah, I, I think he'll be around. Um, you guys see Christmas decorations are up. It's starting to be Christmas season. I guess it is Christmas season, isn't it? Only 20 more days till Christmas, which is great as Christians, you know, because we're, we're dealing, dealing with uh, uh, thinking about Christ. You know, this is a season full of hope and, and grace and love and peace. And get to think about Christ. Points us to Christ, points us towards, uh, towards his death, his resurrection, and the fact that, that we can be saved, that that penalty was paid for our sins. Um, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what, what do unsafe people think about when it comes to Christians or comes to Christmas? Is this just one of those things of, uh, you know, you just show up and buy people gifts? Just, it's just kind of annoying. But if you guys kind of think about it, when it comes to a lot of problems, Christian people and unsafe people, we kind of deal with the same stuff, right? Um, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about sinful, sinful things. I'm talking just worldly problems, adult problems, real life problems. Um, you know, there's, there's just so many problems, there's so many distractions in the world. As Christians, we have to deal with them, and we have to deal with them the same way that, that unsaved, individuals, uh, unsaved individuals do. And I'm not necessarily talking like the distractions and stuff like TV, but I'm talking about, again, just real-life problems, problems that just distract us from thinking about God. You know, some of those things that can really distract us would be, uh, you know, the rising prices. You go outside and you take a look at the rising prices. You look at, look at the price of gas, price of food. Gas has gone up 60% just from the first of the year. Price of food has gone up 20% first of the year. Average American, they've gotten a 4% pay raise um, to kind of make up for it. I'm not the greatest when it comes to math, but I do know that 4% is a lot less than 60 and even 20%. So, uh, again, we have a lot more money going out to pay for something. We have to think, how, how are we going to make all this stuff all this stuff work? It, some odd reason, there's a lot of people that are just not wanting to work, so we're running into this thing. There's food, sort, food shortages. Christmas, they're saying there's a, a shortage on gifts and stuff. I, going into Walmart, you kind of notice that here, there's a few things where where shelves just are kind of are kind of bare. There's not nearly as much stuff, and so that kind of makes us think. Um, you know, what are we supposed to do when it comes comes to Christmas? So we've got maybe not necessarily we don't have enough gifts, or the prices of everything have gone up. So so what do we do? You know, if if you're <laughs> making money, you have a home, you treating your family. What are you going to do? Are you just going to work extra? You're going to work overtime? You're going to explain to the family, hey, sorry kids, you know, you guys just aren't going to be getting the gifts. You know what? What do you do? And they're saying that natural gas is even going to be going up another 50% as well. I heat my house with natural gas. Great. So now I'm paying more for food, more for gas, and more for natural gas as well, just to keep the wife and the kids, uh, kids warm. But so, you know, there's, there's really no solution. How, how do we get away from those problems? We say, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to turn on TV and I'm just going to watch a, a TV show, or I'm going to watch a movie, or I'm going to watch some sporting event. You can't get away from problems there because there's some sort of agenda that's even being packed into that. You take a look at uh, it was a Twix commercial that was run around October. I don't know if many of you uh, many of you saw it, but some boy needed a uh, needed a nanny. This nanny comes in and uh, she I don't know she was a witch or something new magic. So a little boy standing out in his front yard and he's dressed as a woman. Another kid comes up and starts heckling the boy for being dressed as a girl. Well, the witch jumps in, hey, not supposed to make fun of him. This is how the kid wants to dress. Let him, let him do whatever he wants and knocks the, knocks the other kid away, which no one ever talked about what happened to that other kid. You know, they're 
all circling around where the kid wants to dress like a woman, so that's fine. Let them do it. You know, it just seems like there's, there's a sexualization that's going on with our children. Kids can't even watch cartoons without, without something like that being shoved down their throat. You think about what they're being taught even at school. You know, problems, again, that we have to deal with what they're being taught about in school. Just a critical race theory. You know, you're, you owe somebody because you're born white. And if you're not born white, then, you know, you're given something else. There's the, uh, if you guys know much about it, the CSE, the Comprehensive Sexual Education Again, it's pervertedness that's being taught to our children. You know, the three R's are no longer being taught anymore. Now we're teaching kids, even as young as first grade, certain sex acts. And I'm not going to get into details because it's pretty gross. But, you know, these people are learning stuff. I mean, they're being given pornography and school. And it's being told, yeah, it's fine, you're learning. This, this is what you need to do to, uh, to grow up. There's a college professor about a month or two ago. They... Uh, change the term for a pedophile. They're starting to try and get it going. They said because, or they tried making the word map. That's what they want pedophiles to be called now, is map. So it's a minor attracted person. So they said that the word uh, map is less stigmatizing than using the term pedophile. And this is one of their quotes. When people hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume the term sex offender, and that isn't true. It leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions towards minors. I guess uh, <clears throat> you could call me a Matt because I am attracted to children. I do like children. Um, you know, I think that they need to be raised in a godly home, and they need to be sheltered and, and cared for. Uh, we don't need to be perverting them at a young age. Um, you know, another issue that we have to deal with, what about men using women's restrooms? You know, like, I go to Home Depot and wife and kids say they have to go to the bathroom. Now I'm going to have to start worrying. Is there some creepy guy in there who's, who's recording? And, and we were told when, when all this stuff was pushed through that, nah, we're not going to have to worry about that. That's not going to be a problem. What happened in Baltimore already? There was an individual standing in the corner with a cell phone recording people coming in. What about that uh, guy, what was that, Loudon, Virginia, here a couple months ago, the 15-year-old bisexual boy who wore a skirt, ended up raping some girl inside of a school bathroom. School turns a blind eye to it. Then he rapes another girl in a, uh, in a classroom. Seems like something that's, that I'm going to have to deal with, something I'm going to have to think about. About even the fact of free speech, you know, that's, that's being censored. We've got Facebook, Twitter, YouTube going out, trying to, uh, to censor individuals who just don't have the same opinion as everyone else. Uh, Joe Biden, and I'm not making this political thing at all, but um, he did say in 2019 that Christians should be put on the, uh, the terrorist watch list because they don't, don't support the LGBTQ agenda. So again, <clears throat> we look at all this stuff, and I've not even scratched the surface. There's so much stuff out there that we just have to deal with as adults. Um, you know, we can't just turn away from them. We can't just run from them. These, these are things that, that we have to deal with. We start dealing with these issues. It gets exhausting, doesn't it? It, it just it drains us mentally. It drains us physically. And it's really, really easy to kind of get wrapped up in those issues. Kind of, kind of gives you a sense of feeling, uh, feeling a little bit of uh, hopeless. But here we are, we're Christians, right? We're not really supposed to be getting intertwined with the world. We're not supposed to be getting wrapped up. We're supposed to... To, to, have hope, to, to have hope while looking at everything, but we just get so bombarded with these issues that it's hard to not get wrapped up in them. You know, it's easy to get these, these feelings of panic, fear, anxiety, uh, and anger. 
So the question is, what do we do about this? You know, how can we keep from being distracted from God while dealing with these issues? So what I want to go over today is I want to go through 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to see how Paul dealt with these distractions while he was serving the Lord. God has promised that he will take care of us. So a little bit of background here on, uh, on the book of 2 Timothy. Paul wrote it uh, right to Timothy, obviously. That's the name uh, right before Paul's death. So Paul was in jail in uh, AD 67. At that time, Timothy had been uh, ministering to the church of Ephesus for four years. So Paul wrote um, 1 Timothy as soon as Timothy began, uh, began the ministry there in Ephesus. They wrote 2 Timothy four years later. If you know much about, uh, much about history, Rome was burned in AD 64. So the burning of Rome, it was kind of used as a catalyst towards persecuting Christians. Again, Paul was here in jail in AD 67. So Paul looked at everything. He saw these three years of persecution, and he knew for Timothy that the ministry was going to be difficult because of all this persecution that was happening. So what, uh, so what Paul did was by writing 2 Timothy, he wanted to encourage Timothy and just remind him to keep focused on God as well as Timothy keeping the church focus on God. So what I want to do today is just look at the encouragement that Paul gave Timothy and remind us all that we need to be focusing on God. When things are getting difficult, when things aren't getting difficult, all these issues that we're dealing with, we need to be focusing on God in these situations. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, <coughs> verse 1, and I'll read verses, verses 1 through 5. So right there in verse 1 it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godlessness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So there's a reason I wasn't picked to write anything in the Bible. It's because everything that Paul describes here in verse 2 through, through 5, they're selfish, selfish actions. Okay, so what Paul is saying that men are going to be extremely self, selfish during these times, people are going to be in things uh, for themselves. And it's not going to be an exhaustive list. Okay, there's going to be obviously other problems. But Paul took the chance here and he focused on the selfishness of individuals. So, and we can see that even beginning today. Again, we go looking at the whole cancel culture idea. You know, your opinion's different than mine. I don't, I don't agree with your opinion. I can't handle your opinion. I'm going to do what I can to shut you down. Again, Biden's statement that I talked about earlier in 2019, that was specifically referring to the fact that Christians shouldn't, but I get it, there are some, Christians should not be okay with the idea that children are given puberty blockers without their parents' um, uh, uh, knowledge of it. So the response to that was, well, if you're not going to let your kid uh, have some puberty blocker while your kid is not even going to tell you about it, that's okay. You shouldn't know about that. And if you disagree with it, fine, we're coming after you. Okay, so we can see this selfishness. Your, your opinion doesn't agree with my opinion, so I'm going to do whatever I can to shut you down. So we can see this see this already. So there's going to be uh, uh, just a giant abundance of, um, I lost the word again, sorry, selfishness. Um, 
So the question is, how can we really focus on God in all of this? It, it just kind of seems like it's going to be just kind of a terrible time. Well, you notice there in verse 1 how Paul starts out. He says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. So what's Paul talking about here? Paul's talking in the last days. He's referring to the second coming of Christ. You know, even Jesus himself made us this promise that he's going to be coming for us. Uh, John 14, verses 2 and 3, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is something we need to be looking forward to. It seems like, it seems like the world is just a giant mess right now. There's just so much stuff going on. We're, we're finding out how to navigate it. We need to step back and remember, folks, Christ is coming for us. He's not just leaving us down here. We're, we're not just being stranded. Christ will return. Christ will come for us. Jesus told him that. I'm coming back, guys. Keep focused. All right? Again, Titus 2, verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look forward to this. This is something we need to be excited about. You know, really, as Christians, our goal isn't to have a comfortable, just carefree life while we're living here on earth. Our goal, as Jesus says in Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. And we simply do this, one, because Christ told us to do it, but second, because we are citizens of heaven and not citizens of earth. Philippians 3, verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Folk, that's it. I mean, it, it seems pretty simple here, but this is it. This is our task. Keep focus on God. Focus on the task. Go make disciples, and by doing that, we're going to be focusing on God. Focus on God and not the world. Got to remember, though, and I briefly mentioned it, 2 Timothy was meant to remind the church on how to, or was meant to keep Timothy uh, focused on how to keep the church focused on God. So knowing what we know now, we as a church need to examine ourselves. We need to see if we fit one of these self-loving, self-serving attitudes that are mentioned in verses 2 and 5, you know, when we are selfish, we're focusing on ourselves. We're turning ourselves into an idol. So as much as this is a warning for Timothy to keep this attitude, these attitudes out of, out of the church, it's also a warning for us. We don't need to be dragging these attitudes in ourselves. Uh, when we're this, this selfish, when we have these selfish acts, it causes us to pull back and it causes us to not want to deliver the gospel to the world. So we say, we look at this, okay, that's fine, great. What do we do? How do we deal with these selfish, selfish individuals? Because at some point, these selfish individuals are going to be coming after us. And, and we know that a couple verses down, Paul even, Paul even says that. So here's the thing. Paul tells us, tail end of verse 5. It says, and from such people turn away. Now, it kind of seems like I contradicted myself. I said, don't pull away from the world. But now I'm saying, okay, well, we need to be turning away from people. It's not a contradiction. What Paul is simply saying here is don't get caught up in them. Don't get caught up in them. Stop, stop being afraid of these individuals. Don't, don't deny them an opportunity to tell them about the Lord. Do what you need to do. Christ told us to go make disciples. That's what we need to be doing. Don't turn away from them. But don't get caught up in them. Don't get caught up in these negative attitudes and these negative actions of, other, of the other individuals. Focus on God, not the attitudes and not the actions of all these other individuals. So we move on down to, uh, to verses 10, 
10 through 12. Starting out there, verse 10. Paul says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So Paul starts in here and he asks Timothy to remember everything that happened to him at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Um, so what Paul's referring to comes from Acts 13 and 14 at Antioch, Iconium. Paul walks into Antioch. He delivers a message about Christ. The Gentiles absolutely love it, but the Jews don't. So the Jews end up running Paul out of the city. Paul goes to another city, Iconium. Paul preaches the gospel. It says there in Acts 14, verse 1, a great multitude of both the Jews and the Greeks believe. But then the following verse, it says that the Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against Paul. They, they plotted to abuse and stone Paul. Paul ends up leaving. He goes to another city called Lystra. Paul immediately walks in, heals a lame man. Lame man jumps up, goes and tells everybody about it. Everybody in the city goes, oh man, this guy's a god. We need to go worship him. Gather around Paul and Barnabas, start worshiping. In 14.15, Paul says, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them. So Paul looks at all this stuff, all these people are trying to worship him, and he goes, No, no, guys, look, we aren't God. You need to be worshiping the real, true God. So Paul points, uh, points them right to God. Well, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium catch up to Paul while he was there in Lystra. And they end up stoning him. Acts 14, verse 19 and 20. It says, The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he started with Barnabas to Derby. So here's my second point. Don't let your emotions stop your service to God. Okay? Don't put limits on how far you are willing to serve God. If service to God costs you your life, then so be it. Paul didn't allow his emotions to stop him from serving God in any of these, these situations, any of these, these accounts they had. You know, just, just think of the emotions that, that he had during this time. He would have had fear, anger, anxiety, panic, a, a sense of defeat. A sense of helplessness. Can you imagine going into the city and a bunch of individuals are running you out of the city and you're going, oh God, I was supposed to be here at the city and now all these people are running me out of it. That sense of hopelessness that Paul would have had there um, starts off very first city goes into. Gets kicked out of that city uh, for preaching the gospel. Okay, that's fine. Paul goes, I'll go to another city. Not a problem. Goes to another city We'll come to find out people are trying to kill him in there. Okay, I'll go to another city. So he goes to another city, ends up getting stoned. And there's, there's a debate as, um, as if, did Paul actually die when he was stoned or did he just get knocked out? Um, I've read both sides of it. To be honest with you, I don't really know. But the one thing that I do know is that getting hit with a bunch of giant rocks and people think that you're dead probably is not going to feel well. So whether Paul died, whether Paul didn't die, he was in a lot of pain. And Paul, what's he do? People gather around him, stands right up, 
kind of brushes himself off, goes right back into the city that he was just kicked out of, goes right back into the city, goes to sleep, wakes up the next day, goes into another city. So Paul is telling Timothy here, look, the Lord delivered him out of these situations. You know, that's Paul's focus in all of this. The Lord took care of him. Paul didn't step back and say, boy, I'll tell you, I'm just having a real bad day. You know, I, I, could, I could end up getting hurt. Um, you know, Pastor Ben posted that pic, or showed that picture that was put on, on Facebook, and I can't even remember what it was. That's, that's how detrimental and scary it was. But, you know, it's that picture of that flower and showing, showing, you know, are we putting limits on how far we will go to serve the Lord? Are we stepping back and, and we're saying, you know, God, I'm going to, I'll, I'll follow you to a certain extent. I'll only take a one-day ban on Facebook. I'm not going to full one week, though. That's just, that's too much. You know, I, I can't do that. You know, I'll, I'll take a three-day ban on Twitter, but getting my Twitter shut down, I'm not willing to do that. That's, that's just way too much. We look at what Paul did. Paul goes, that's fine. People kill me. People kill me. I'm going to keep going. So don't let your emotions stop your service to God. Again, really, really easy to get just caught up on all this, this doom and gloom that's around us. But here's the thing, we need to remember what is important, and we need to focus on God. And Paul remembered that service to God is really what mattered. It says there in Acts 14, verse 27, Now when they had come together and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Folks, this is it. This is what matters. Paul knew that the most important thing was service to Christ by preaching the gospel. Paul gets back, gathers all the head leaders around, starts telling them the story, and he goes, look, guys, this is what's important. You guys ready? This is what really, really is important to me. It's not the fact that he was almost killed. What was important to him was that he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and all this, uh, and, and all this turmoil, all this stuff that Paul was going through, Paul stepped back and goes, but the Gentiles heard about Christ. That's what is important. It's not his feelings. What is important is that individuals knew about God. Paul delivered Christ to them. That is what mattered. That is what Paul focused on. While we're here, though, we do need to address verse 12. So if you look down, it says verse 12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I'm not a motivational speaker. Um, if you come to me for encouragement, really, you're going to be kind of let down. Um, but I do know if someone says, hey, Kyle, how can I, uh, how can I be a better Christian? How, how, can I, how can I live in Christ? I'm not going to start, well, you want to live in Christ, good for you. You're going to suffer persecution. I'm not going to start that way. So this one, this verse seems kind of difficult. And it would be difficult if verse 11 was not there. But it is. So we can kind of restructure this so we understand. So if we start with verse 12, it says, All who desire to live God Christ, to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Verse 11, but the Lord will deliver you. God's, again, just not completely abandoning us. We need to remember the first point. Christ is returning. Christ will deliver us. Now, here's the thing, though. The word deliver can be a very broad word. So we think back to a, a case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar made the idol. He said, no, nah, we're not going to bow down to it. Nebuchadnezzar calls him up. 
say, hey, we'll give you one more chance and we'll, uh, you bow down to it. They go, uh-uh, we ain't going to. Um, well, we aren't going to, sorry. Um, it says, we aren't, we aren't going to. And they say, the Lord will deliver us from this situation or we'll die. Either one. So the Lord deliver, the Lord delivering, and if you guys remember at the end of the story, uh, they came out of the fire. It didn't even smell like smoke. So the Lord delivered them out of that situation. We think of, uh, again, just here, Paul with Antioch, Iconium, Elisha, the very first city that Paul goes into. He catches when, hey, there's people trying to kill you. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to leave. Goes into another city, same thing. Hey, guys, trying to kill you. That's fine. Third city he goes into, he ends up getting stoned. Was Paul delivered out of that situation? We say, well, we don't know if he died or if he, if he made it through. The question is, was Paul really truly delivered? What about Stephen? Was Stephen delivered from that situation? Stephen died. Stephen was killed for his faith. Was he delivered? Yes, he was. That's part of the delivery system. I think there's a lot of times we step back and we want to know how we're going to be delivered. That'll give us a little bit of comfort here. But Paul tells Timothy, it doesn't matter how you're going to be delivered. The fact is that Jesus himself will deliver you. Focus on this. Focus on God. God has a plan. God will deliver us. That's what we need to focus on. So we'll move on down to verses uh, uh, 17. Or excuse me, verses 13 through 17. Starting out there in verse 13. It says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. In that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul starts out here, verse 13. Evil imposters and men will grow worse and worse. People are going to grow worse and worse. Okay, be prepared here. You know, and you think, okay, well, I'm a smart enough individual. I should be able to think my way out of these situations. Whenever, whenever these terrible situations start coming around, no, not necessarily. Because if you look there at at, uh, at verse 13, it says, Evil men and apostles will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that means you think that you're going to be smart enough to get out, out of stuff, think your own way out of these situations. You won't. Okay? You're going to be either one of those people who are doing the deceiving, but then end up getting deceived in that situation yourself. So Paul tells us, though, we need to be prepared. When we look at this, okay, that's fine. How can we be prepared? We look down in verse 14. It says, but you must continue in the things that you have learned. Okay, that's fine. So we can be prepared by continuing in the things that we have learned. So what are those things? Verse 15, it says, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. So the Holy Scriptures, he's talking about the Bible here. Well, why do we need to be prepared? Why do we need to continue on in these things? It's so that we will be equipped there for verse 17, that we will be equipped for every." good work. There's a premise here, though. Paul says that we need to continue on in the Word. We need to continue on the Bible. Now I ask you, are you able to say that you are continuing in the Bible, or do you need to start in the Bible? 
If Sunday morning is the only time where you guys are opening your Bibles, you're wrong. That's not how it needs to be. The Bible's not outlawed yet, so we need to get in it, we need to study it, we need to be going over it. And the reason we need to be doing this is not for us, not to make ourselves feel better, but it's so that we will be equipped for every good work. So what's a good work then? If you look at Matthew 5.16, it explains to us what that good work is. It says, so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So when we're equipped for every good work, it's going to be equipped that we can bring glory to God. That's what the good work. Again, we are focusing on God. We're being equipped so we can bring glory to God. But the interesting thing here is that there in verse 17, it says that we will be equipped for every good work. Think about the word equipped, what that means. That means we already have something, right? That means when that situation arises, we already have the help that we need. Isn't that fantastic just even to think about the fact that God knows, okay, at this certain point uh, in time, at this certain place, certain individuals going to, going to encounter a problem, not necessarily going to know what to do. Oh, but he's given us the Bible, so we know exactly what to do. So God's not going to be sitting around waiting, waiting for that situation. God has given us what we need before that even happens. It's all written right here in the Bible. What are we doing when we're waking up Sunday morning? You know, is it one of those things, oh, good thing my, I left my Bible in the car. That way I don't have to find it. If that's your attitude towards stuff, it's wrong. You need to be getting in the Bible. You need to be focusing on the Bible. You need to be focusing on God in this situation. So right now, if the worship would come up, and just quick, quick overview, we need to make sure that we are staying focused on God. That's it. Focus on the fact that Christ will return. Focus on God so that your emotions don't control when you, uh, when you stop serving God, and then stay focused on God by continuing in the Bible so that you can be equipped to bring glory to God. So really, as Christians, this, this should be encouraging. You know, focusing on God, it, it, it makes the world just really seem less bleak and dreary. It's easy to get caught up in all that stuff. How are we going to pay bills? How are we going to pay for gas? How are we going to pay for food? How are we going to pay for all? I don't know. But what I do know is that God has everything taken care of. I do know that Christ is coming for me. I do know if I keep, keep my nose in the Bible, I do know that if I keep reading the Bible, it doesn't matter what this stuff is like. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking about. All I know is that God is good to us. God has prepared us for what we need. So if you would now stand, I ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're saved here this morning, uh, talked about it already, uh, let's ask you to, to examine yourself for, for these selfish attitudes that were mentioned in uh, verses 2 through 5. You know, they're going to keep you from, from serving God. Uh, Paul told Timothy to make sure that he keeps it out of the church while we're the individuals that drag it into the church. And so we're aware that selfishness can, can cause issues inside of the church. Ask that you just examine and confess yourself in areas of your life where you have put the focus on yourself and not on God. Repent and give God the control. Also, I want you to think about as well, are you able to say that you're continuing, the, continuing in the Bible? Or are you at the point where you're saying, well, no, I'm only starting in the Bible? 
Well, that's good. If you're starting in the Bible, good. You recognize that, that it needs to start at some point. I challenge you, don't put it off. Go ahead and start in the Bible. Start reading the Bible. If you're an unsaved individual, let me ask you, what do you really have to look forward to? Death. I mean, it's really getting out of this world and, and, and all this madness. But the problem is, there's nothing to really look forward to. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 that you will end up facing God. At some point, you will appear before God and you will have to answer for your actions. We'll say now, give your life to Christ. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Give your life to Christ. You can't just be good and get yourself into heaven. That doesn't happen. Romans 3 says no one is good also says that everyone has sin. And you say, well, I've never sinned. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever lied? Have you ever put other gods before gods? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever lusted after a man and woman? Have you ever coveted anything? Have you ever lied about anything? Well, if you have, then yes, you have sinned. You are guilty of sin. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of that sin, you have earned for yourself death. However, God has not just completely turned his back on you. God has provided a solution for you. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As folks, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, do it today. Pastor Ben will be here. I'll be here if you, if you have questions about something. Don't keep putting Christ off. Come talk to either one of us about it. We would. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I, I thank you that you've just provided so much for us. God, you've, you've not turned your back on us. God, you, you loved us enough to, to recognize that we need help. There's so many issues down here on the earth that, that we're having to deal with, and they're not necessarily spiritual problems, God. But you know, we're going to be confused. We're not going to know what to do, God. We're just going to get tired of dealing with stuff. And God, you've given us the answer. You've said, God, that we just need to focus on you. We need to read our Bibles. We need to study our Bibles, God. You, you've equipped us for every work out there. God, I thank you for salvation, God. There's The sin is... It's such a terrible thing, God, and the only way we can be found not guilty, God, is if someone pays a price, if something dies for our sin. God, sin is just that severe that something has to die, God. I thank you for sending Christ. I thank you, thank you for the hope that we have in you, God. Thank you again, just, God, you've taken just such good care of us. It's, it's fantastic, God. Help us to focus on you, God. All this stuff that's going on in the world, it doesn't matter compared to you. You have taken such good care of us, God, and you will continue to take good care of us. You've equipped us for everything that we need. You've equipped us for the work, God. Thank you so much for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.